Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. I was uh, on my way to celebrate. Some friends of ours came to Vegas, some friends of mine came to Vegas to get married. And at that time, it was a club called The Red Onion on Wilshire Boulevard. And I went, they were getting married at 12 o'clock. I got off at 11 o'clock. So I said I'd go by there and at 12 o'clock, I would toast to you guys being mar getting married. And uh, our paths crossed. And that's how we met. You were at the same? Technically, no. <laughs> uh, but we did meet at the Red Onion, yeah. I, she was there for one reason, and I was on my way there. I was um, uh, with some friends. We were walking down Wilshire. They wanted to get some wine. They stopped and got some wine that they wanted to drink on the street. My, um, I'm not drinking wine on the street, first off, that was my thing. So I told him, hey, you guys drink your wine, I'll meet you down at the club. So I just stood at the light so I wouldn't look like a vagrant. I was waiting at the light and she came out and, you know, looking quite stunning. And um, she stood at the light and uh, I guess she figured I was going to cross. So when I said, uh, are you crossing? She said, yes, I'm crossing. I said, oh, let me push the light for you. She said, you're not crossing? I said, no, I'm just waiting. I'm killing some time. She said, well, why are you standing here? I said, well, you know, I didn't want to drink wine with some friends there or whatever. And she said, well, you want to come over to my car? You know, if you want, you can sit and wait there for a minute. I'm just coming out. And uh, a person, I thought that was really kind of nice because... Uh, can't trust a lot of people, but evidently I must have a trusting face. And um, from uh, that, we started to talk, and and I I didn't uh, try to get women's phone numbers. I didn't match for numbers and whatever. So I was in business. I said, well, you know, if, uh, maybe sometime when you feel like um, maybe going to lunch or maybe have a drink or something, I'm gonna give you my card and. Give me a call, you know. And, um, I did call three weeks later. Actually, came by. <laughs> she came by the uh, the shop where I was working, and when she walked in, she walked in like a model, and you know everybody was like, hey, "Man, who is that? You know what's going? You know." And she asked for me. I was in the back part of the shop, and uh, they told her where I was, and you know she came in and gave me her address. And um, she said, when you get a chance, give me a call. And that was the beginning. I went to LA from, from uh, Oakland, California. And then I hired out with Union Pacific Railroad. And so I wound up just, you know, because I got hired and I stayed in LA, I liked LA. And the whole thing of it was, was to be in LA I wasn't looking to get married. I wasn't looking. I wasn't even looking to have a boyfriend or date. I was focused on my career. 
and uh, the things that I were doing. I was uh, 20, ooh, gotta go back some. I was 20, when I first went to LA, I was 21. So when I met him, you were 28. No. No, 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 you weren't 28. We got married when you were 28, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I was, um, I see, was see, about, see, going back. I was about 22, 23 years old, if I can, uh, I don't recall for sure, but uh, uh, my wife, whatever whatever age I was, she was three years older than me. <laughs> So, yeah, she oh, was yeah. older, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And, and she, she was young, as far as I was concerned, you know, that wasn't, you know, my last uh, 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 expectation would be to, you know, get involved with somebody as young as she was <laughs> during that period in time in my life. And uh, I don't know, uh, it's just how I've gravitated. Most of my brothers, uh, we all, married or uh, relationships have been with older women. And um, I guess uh, our mother must have had a real strong influence on us. And I won't say I was looking for um, a motherly attraction, but because uh, I was independent and strong, I believe, as a young man, uh, just recently out of the Marine Corps, was trying to get myself together, disabled vet. And, um, you know, um, Things happen, you know. We got married in 1980. We met roughly in, in uh, 76, I believe. We actually met the summer of 76, and mm -hmm. we got married in the spring of, uh, in the spring 1980. of 1980, April 20th, 1980. So you mentioned you weren't looking to get married. How no. did you? How did you know? When did you know that this was the person, each of you? wanted to be with the rest of your life? Well, he actually courted me. I found that to be very, very exciting. He would invite me to lunch and I said, okay, we'd head to the airport. And I said, we're gonna have lunch at the airport? And he says, no, we're gonna fly to San Francisco and have lunch and we're gonna fly back. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he really just, he did things spontaneously. He took me to the best of places. He really just, it wasn't sex involved. You know what I'm saying? He really wanted to know me and get into my head. And just, he was very, he was a gentleman. He was very kind. He was a ex-Marine, so therefore he was a gentleman. And um, it just impressed me. It really impressed me. And what was it about her that kept you interested and you know, ultimately proposed? Um, besides her stunning beauty, her personality, her, um, it's, it's so ironic. Our birthdays are eight days apart. We're both born in March, uh, she March 5th, and um, myself March uh, 13th. And we had a lot of similarity. We liked a lot of the same things. We both liked to travel. Um, I, I thought about something when she mentioned being from Oakland. I'm from San Francisco originally. And, and through all of this, uh, I hope I'm not getting ahead, but uh, it turns out that our families know each other. And um, 
we went to San Francisco on one of our little getaways or whatever and, and was at my aunt's house and she looked at a picture on the wall and she said, oh, I know these people on the picture. And my aunt said, no, no, I don't think you do. And she said, no, I know these people. And she said, I, I don't think you know them. If, if you knew them, I would know you because that's my best friend there. And she said, I know them. And my aunt kind of sarcastically said, okay, well, who are they? And she started naming them by name and saying who they were and her eyes got big and she's like, oh, wow. And uh, I said, she did. I'm waiting to see what was going to happen. And she did know them. So that, um, I think, helped the bond to some degree. We like the same kind of food. She's from New Orleans. I'm from San Francisco. Seafood, but on a little different level, you know, preparing the food. And uh, ironically, when I was very young, um, a lot of the people in my family had married uh, women from Louisiana. And uh, I used to always say, I'm going to marry somebody from Louisiana because they could cook and I like to eat. <laughs> so, and uh, once she threw down, you know, the fried chicken, the red beans and rice, the gumbo and all that, I mean, it made me happy. Although I'm a, more of a chipino bouillabaisse kind of guy, you know, but the crab and shrimp, I love all that. So little intricacies throughout the relationship, little things that we found, even... Uh, Early in relationships, you find that it doesn't just happen. You know, there's things and being willing to adjust some things. I know I'm not perfect. And uh, I started having more appreciation for her because I, I don't think I was the best guy in the world. But she saw something in me and I was able to see that, wow, this woman does really love me. I never contemplated a real serious relationship. I didn't see myself moving that way in any way or form, you know, but uh, I'm not an abuser or misuser or whatever. So, you know, if I was going to spend time with someone, it would be, you know, quality time. I don't believe in burning bridges. I definitely didn't think about it at all. Simply being the oldest of six Siblings, uh, you know, six siblings, I'm the oldest. Having a kid and getting married wasn't even in the scope. All I know is I wanted to just be free and do what I wanted to do. Because when you're in that era and you're born in the 60s, the oldest sibling is really the surrogate mother. You know what I'm saying? So all the other kids are looking up to you, you know, and I wanted out. When I got out of high school, I said, I'm out. That's it. See ya. <laughs> and on the other hand, with myself, I'm the third of seven sons. And um, first off, I didn't have an inkling really as far as uh, how women think and how women are and how they just overall uh, um, been sympathetic toward women, their needs. If she, we get into an emotional thing and she, you know, might tear up or cry. It's like, well, what are you crying for? You know, because dealing with boys, I don't understand. I didn't understand the emotional side of it. So therefore, even though I was a, uh, a gentleman, or I thought to myself as being a gentleman in most cases, I didn't understand the emotional. My, my daughter, I think, helped me to understand even more so her. But one thing I knew and I realized uh, that she 
that she loved me, you know, and I, I didn't even understand love, really love. The, the depth of love and the understanding of love even came really later in the mm. relationship as far as I was concerned because uh, maybe I was lying to myself or whatever, but it was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to stay. You know, I'm always ready to move. And as you be together, you spend time together, you find that there's a bond. But uh, um, prior to meeting her, I went through a really low point kind of in my life. And I, uh, you know, you meet a lot of women, you deal with this and that. But I had to pray. I had really hit a low point. And I prayed and I asked God, you know, to uh, send me. I pretty much described what I wanted, how I wanted her to be. And lo and behold, by chance, I, I met her. So as time went on, even though I would get angry, maybe here or there, she might would get angry. And again, spontaneity, spontaneity has to play a big part in it because with arguments or disagreements sometimes, sometimes it's not an argument, it's just a disagreement and failure to see things in the same way. And if you uh, always would say, you know, uh, two people, you know, angry people can never come to an agreement. So somebody, has to be quiet, you know, and listen. And uh, she wasn't most of the time going to be listening. And, and that's our women's way of getting their point across. So a lot of times I would leave and she would hate when I would leave. But when I would come back, I said, OK, can we talk about it now? And we would be able to talk about it. So uh, being able to listen to the other person had a lot to do with our bonding and growing together. You know, and, and, and this is um, uh, uh, our uh, PK days, pre-kids <laughs> days, you know. So, you know, and, and I think we, we argued, I think, probably early in our relationship, but it was building understanding, you know, and I was always, oh, this ain't going to work. But it was building. We were growing. How did you get through those moments then where you, you it's easy to throw up your hands and say, this isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. What then, you said sometimes you would leave because that's how you would figure things out. What made you come back? What was the thought that made you then come back home? That's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I live. You know, I'm not moving out. You know, I just needed some time. She needed time. I needed time. So you, you take the time to, to gather yourself. You know, um, I, I could then come back and because one thing will reciprocate another thing. So when she gets upset, even still now, we still do the same thing, but we laugh about it. So when she would get loud and start to, I get loud and I talk to her the way she talks to me. So now when we do it, she said, well, why are you hollering at me? You know, and I'm like, well, why are you hollering at me? You know, you started it. So we laugh about it and then we move on from there. So, but tell them about yeah. the incident where uh, I was gonna, I was, I went in the closet and I took all his clothes off and I said, "Get out!" And he went in the closet and took my clothes and said, "Get out!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I came home and um, she had my clothes and my stuff and uh, kind of in a pile close to the door, and I said, "What's this?" She said, "You gotta go." So I said, "Oh, okay." I said, all right. So I went to the room, 
went in the closet and I started snatching her stuff off the hanger and I was throwing it in the pile to get it together. She said, what are you doing? I said, well, if I'm going, you're going too. See, so, and that's the spontaneity you have to, uh, and, and I was hoping I would send her the message that I'm not leaving by myself. You know, even in her anger one time, she was pouting and going around. And I just picked up a mirror. Just I, I didn't plan it. I think I got a mirror and I put it in front of her and I said, look, this is what I got to look at. You see this? See, so when she looked, she, you know, get that mirror out of my face, you know, but she had to laugh. Right. See, so you have to um, don't take everything as it's the end of a relationship. And, and one thing that you said uh it, it would have been easy to leave. It, yeah, it's easy to leave, but it takes effort to stay and make something work. I believe that anything worth having is worth working for and working through. Nobody's perfect. I'm still not perfect. You know, I uh, try to show my wife in so many ways, you know, how I feel about her and what she means to me. Uh, sometimes uh, I feel that I'm maybe a little bit slighted. And I'm quite sure sometimes she may feel the same way. So I have to always put myself in her shoes and think, you know, what kind of person am I when I think about the inconsistencies or the, the, uh, uh, the lack maybe from her side. And uh, we grow together, you know, so. I was raised in a church. I came from a uh, family of uh, ministers, bishops, and teachers, educators in the word. And uh, my mother was an evangelist, a doctor of Phyllis Prudhomme. And uh, she taught ministers and preachers and bishops. And my father was also an elder in the church. And so growing up under that, when I left home, I said, I'm never going to church. I was done with church. And uh, through circumstances and things happening. So what's in you? is in you. you. You can't pay. And I had been told all my life that I would be a minister. I had the ability to deal with people and to help people in a lot of ways. I like to think that I have a giving, caring heart. Uh, but I uh, took the wrong path, like a lot of young people do. We, uh, that's why I don't fault them and what they do and the choices that they make, because the fact that they are young they still have a chance to rectify and still be something positive in life. Well, we complement each other simply because we're, we're believers. He believes and I believe. And so it makes it really easy. It, you, you knock down the walls of barrier, the, the barriers that are built up. You understand and know that it's not about you, it's about him. And it's always about, is he pleased with the way I treat you? Is he pleased with what we're doing and how things are going? And so we've instilled that in our children also. You know, even our grandchildren. You know, they're, they're learning the 23rd Psalms by heart. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing to be in love. And it's really a good thing to be in love with a man of God. Now, um, back to the beginning also. The connection that uh, with our families was on a uh, spiritual level. 
because mm -hmm. when she started naming the people on the picture, she said, that's sister somebody, sister somebody, that's brother somebody. And she sang with uh, the Greater Northwest Choir and- California Northwest State Youth Choir. Yeah, so she sang, you know, so she was around the church and whatever. And, mm -hmm. and then I was, you know, there around it. Now, both of us, we didn't meet on that level. But then again, I had prayed for the type of woman that I have. And you gotta be careful sometimes even with praying because what I asked for, I got. But at the same time, there were other things that came with it, you know. So, uh, you know, you may go buy a new pair of shoes and the shoes that you buy, you know, they'd be, they, they look like all oh, what you want and they, you know, look good. But then later on you wear them a while and they hurt your toes but you still want to wear them anyway. You figure maybe it'll stop hurting. But, uh, I, you know, and that's very abstract though, but it was on a spiritual level that our, our families had dealt uh, with. And then through uh, some circumstances and situations, things had happened. When I found myself in a, in a situation where I really had to depend on God to pull me through, I went back to my roots. You know, I knew where, you know, it wasn't about my mother, my wife, or whatever. I had to depend on God to be able to get me through. And then the need to have my children, you know, give them the same opportunity that was given to me, you know, to go to church and have a relationship with God in their life and understand who Jesus Christ is and what he means in a person's life. Uh, I had to give them that same opportunity, whether or not they choose to do that. You know, I had to do what I needed to do. And uh, it was given to me. And even though I left, I knew where to come back, where my help comes from. I worked a graveyard shift. I worked for the uh, post office at the time. And I worked uh, Sunday mornings. I would come home early in the morning. And it would, I would always have, and say, you know, I want to go to church, but it's too late. But, um, Again, like I say, circumstances, things happen, and God took the job away. And uh, now is okay, where's your excuse? You know, so uh, understanding to some degree, okay, I see what's happening now. And rather than being bitter over the, the situation that was at hand, I started looking at it as an opportunity to do some things that I needed to do. And uh, even though we perceive some things as maybe misfortune in our life, things happen sometimes for uh, good in our life. So uh, I took the situation and I turned it around. I said, well, because I don't have this, now I can do this. Because I don't have that, now I can move in a different way. And I started moving in a different direction. And since then, our life has been so abundant. We've traveled around the world. We've been mm -hmm. to uh, South Africa, China, Dubai, Scotland, England, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Hawaii, a number of islands. But, you know, I can probably, uh, I say I want to at least uh, touch every continent uh, at some time or another before uh, we die, except for Antarctica. I don't want to go there. <laughs> so. I did fight a victorious battle with breast cancer, and I'm a breast cancer survivor, but my children were young. My daughter doesn't remember at all, but my son remembers, but 
the the beauty of it was I never said why me. I always said why not me, because Job was tested, and I knew that it was a test. But he, the whole time I was going through that, every room I walked in, he gave me my flowers while I was still living. He showed me that the love that he had for me, you know what I'm saying? And it was, it was, it was just so great because I knew that I was going to be a survivor and that, but he made it so he took, he took very, very good care of me where I couldn't on the chemo. I didn't have an appetite. He learned about juicing. He learned about all that it would take for me to get better. And he bought a juicer and he would make up these concoctions and he would make sure that I was getting the nutrients that I needed to get better. He, um, my brother-in-law found out about this Noni juice. He ordered that, that was $40 a bottle. You know, he, he, it was no, it was nothing too, too great. You know what I'm saying? And you don't know until you get to a point when you're ill and that person, and that person, um, you know, is there for you and take very good care of you. And it, it, it was really all to, to him just loving me and showing me to the point. Um, my son says he remembers. My daughter doesn't even remember. She doesn't even remember be, me being ill. And it was because we had always maintained the, our faith in God. You know what I'm saying? And I go, this is just a step for a stepper. Okay, devil. <laughs> Next. So if I could beat that, I knew if I could beat that with him, I could I could do anything with the help of God, you know, because he 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 was there, you know, and we got on our knees, we prayed, and we said, God, we know this is a test, so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna believe and trust in you, and we did, and we got through. You know, in the same sense, when uh, I came home that time and she was saying, oh, I've had enough, you have to go or whatever, and I said, well, when I go, you go. Uh, I had that same type of feeling that, you know, I mean, we had children to deal with, but, you know, I didn't want her to leave. You know, we, you know, I love her enough to where, you know, I had to do what I needed to do as a man. We uh, knew of a couple in a couple of different situations where the, uh, uh, the woman of the house had contacted cancer and the men bailed out on them. Just left when they said that I have cancer they just left you know rather than be left to children just you know I don't know how somebody can just get up and just walk away from a family and um, you know she uh, she's as much a part of me as I believe I am a part of her you know so we are a unit we're, we're one you know so I function best when she's somewhere in the midst and uh, I hope that she's the same with me. So, um, you know, uh, I, I, um, I don't know. A lot of you, you, oftentimes you feel like maybe you're giving more than the other party is. But then I, I look at little things and I say, wow, you know, okay, I do do this, but you know, I might mm -hmm. not have thought about that. And it's a little something that could mean a whole lot. So it's the small things 
that you sometimes take for granted. Now, um, I think sometimes there's little things that I might do and uh, she's different about, <laughs> I just had a thought. She's different about that now and she, she mentions now, you know, how much she appreciates little mm -hmm. things or whatever. And um, uh, just to share with you that, that quick thought for years, she would say, you know, that's what I don't like about you. You know, I don't like, you this. And I said, well, you know what? I said, you know, there's some things. This is after we'd been together for more than 20 years. I said, you know, there's some things about you I don't like. You know? And she said, what? I said, there's some things about you I don't like, a few things. <laughs> and she said, like what? I said, it's, uh, you know, it's too much. I can't name it all, you know, but it's things, stuff. I, but I don't tell you every time you do it, you know, but you find the need to always want to tell me what you don't like about me. And I guess she thought about it. And I don't think she's really even said that since then. Mm -hmm. See, so sometimes by keeping something in and then it might not have been the right time, you know. So for and, you know, the other thing is you always do. And no, I don't always. It's not. And, and people it's a context in how in which people say certain things that determine whether this will be an argument or whether it'll be a discussion. And then if you see that it's going to be an argument, you have to pretty much let it go. I'm not one to really argue. I probably maybe, well, we don't really argue now. I think uh, it's, it's so beautiful now. She knows when to leave me alone, you know. She knows when to go. I mean, the house is big enough to where we can be on different sides of the house and not really know the other one is there. So she gives me my space. I give her her space. We meet in the middle. And, you know, sometimes we meet on either end, you know, we hang out, you know. So, But um, it's knowing how to uh, uh, give the other person their space. And we are individuals, even though we're still one. And you have to always respect that other person's space their time, and uh, uh, who they are. What is it that you most admire or appreciate about her and vice versa? Uh, about her first, um, her heart. Uh, she has a really good heart. Um, when she feels like smiling, she can light up a room. She's a good mother. She's a good wife when she wants to be. And then when maybe she's not, sometimes before I may get upset, I have to think about what kind of husband I am. And because um, we always feel like somebody is doing something to us, not for her. But I think her heart, she really has a good heart. She, She's a giver, she's a doer. And um, That's From true. my perspective, he's very, very generous. Uh, the program that comes on television about the undercover boss, he says, wow, I wish I had that kind of money where I could impact somebody's life like that. But he doesn't have that kind of money, but he does impact people's lives. He, 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 he gives, you know, and he's, he's by owning a barbershop, People are all kinds of people are in and out, you know. I love to see when they're youngsters who just, I, I go to the barbershop. I saw this one kid 
Two days later, I went back. I saw him again, and I go, you just was here. He said, the first time I was here was for a haircut. This time I'm here for some knowledge. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> all right. So he, you know, he, he likes... He likes the idea of instilling in young people and leading them in the right direction, you know, on every opportunity, you know. And uh, he has some of his customers, he's been doing their hair since they were little bitty kids. But he's a giver, you know, and that's the, that's the main thing. It's not always about him. He never wants, he never, he never wants anything. So when he says he wants something, I'm like, okay, guys, we got to get this because he don't never ask for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he's he just has, he's that type of person where he want he always want to see other people happy. He always want to do, you know, what is it that we can do at Christmas time? We don't give each other gifts. We ask God to put on our hearts. Is there someone that we could bless who's less fortunate than us? And the young man who worked in the barbershop, his, his grandmother had to adopt all of her grandchildren to keep them out of the system. And she needed, and we didn't know this at the time, but she needed some money. And God put it on his heart and on my heart. And we went to her home. We knocked on her door and she was just, you know, she was happy to see us. And uh, so we said, we have something for you. And it was the exact amount of money that she needed to get through that Christmas with her grandkids. So it's, it's, it's the giving that mostly impressed, impressed me with him. As far as I'm concerned, I, uh, I, I've just come to grips with understanding that. And even though you say it or whatever, but I have to look and as parents, sometimes you may feel that you haven't maybe done everything the right way because there's no gauge that's set uh, plateau that you say that a parent is supposed to do or whatever. But uh, their hearts, my children are, uh, they are uh, uh, leaders among their peer group. They're uh, friends, they come to them for instruction, they ask them about, and when you say the, um, uh, fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I finally accepted the fact that, you know, I must not be a bad person overall because I see how my children, they, they give, they do. And it's not about having an abundance or whatever, but whatever you give, however you give, whatever you can do positive for people, you know, and I, um, they both are the same way. They're, they're givers, they're doers. You know, uh, the world is made up of givers and takers. It's uh, when God uh, has blessed you with the abundance and not necessarily uh, financially. People think of abundance as having a lot of money, but love, you know, weighs a lot more than money in the long run. So I, I like to say from each generation I'm looking, even with my grandchildren, that the fruit hasn't fallen far from the tree. And uh, I thank God that he kept giving me the spirit to be how I am about that. And uh, 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 one day, you know, I'll need them. And as you were saying in the shop, with those young people who come by, I tell them I'm getting old. And one day I'm gonna need you. So what I put out there now could be the difference in me being in a situation to where 
I may need something and can't get help. And I want them all to get their education. I feel like almost any kid, whenever I can, if they're trying to better themselves educationally and lift themselves, move forward in life, you know, sincerely, I will give and do. They don't have to be mine, but I believe, uh, I, I don't generally talk about it, but I, I'm gonna need them one day. The older I get, I'm gonna need them. So I'll let her. If, I, if, if we don't plant a seed now, when we're old, we won't have a tree to give us shade. And that's what we do. We, we, we plant the seed in their lives, you know. And I told my children, I said, uh, I always want to treat you with love and respect because I understand that when I get old, I've seen too many elderly people who are in homes and who don't have anyone to go and see them. And I go, but they don't go see them because look how they live their life, you know. And I said, that's the reason no one comes to see them. Because you, you have to know and understand. When you have children, your life is no longer your own. And you don't have to live your life through your children. But you just have to instill in your children that, you know, you're there for them. You know, and my kids tell me all the time that, Mom, if anything was to happen, uh, I would take care of you. You know, and that's a good feeling. That's a very, very good feeling. If you love them, I love them. No matter what color, no matter no matter what size. You know what I'm saying? Because we never taught them to to all we we always taught them to look at the content of a person's character and never the color of their skin. Love has no color. Whoever makes your heart skip a beat, if that's the person for you, then that's the person for you. I don't have to snow in their face at night, and I'm all good. As far as advice from my side, though, I have. Um um, with both of them, I told them no relationship is perfect. When you start looking at the imperfections, you know, in your husband, look back at yourself and see where, you know, you're not as perfect as you think you are. You're not as good a person as you think you might be. So, uh, um, again, it comes back to the situation that, you know, uh, for every action, there's a reciprocating action, and you have to look and see, well, what preceded this to come to this point. So check yourself before you go to jump on somebody and know if this is where, you know, some some corridors you really don't want to visit because it can lead to destruction and to the end, but you want to always be moving together uh, positively. Don't go back over and rehash situations where you've given forgiveness, come back and say, you know, uh, oh, you remember when you, no, once it's buried, leave it buried. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, you can, we cannot change the past, but you can always change the future. And every day is a new day to change the future. And uh, I, I tell them that, whether it be their relationship, their marriage, or uh, everyday life, always look toward the next day for a new beginning. Uh, did anything surprise me about marriage? I didn't know what to, you know, when we, we had cohabitated prior to marriage and at the point where we started to live together, 
um, I looked at it as a marriage because in essence, you're in a marriage situation, you know, so you have to be sincere about it. Why, why waste your time and other person's time, you know, just for somebody, you know, I mean, roommate, I, I didn't care for roommates, you know what I mean? So, and, and then when, as far as children, I said, well, whoever, uh, I, I'm not going to mess with anybody who would not be worthy of having my child because I felt in my heart that wherever my children would be born is where I would be. And um, if there's anything that I didn't expect, and it wasn't about marriage, it's just children, you know, being in the house with children, how they, uh, they psychoanalyze you, how they study you and they find weak points and they push buttons. You know, it's comical and it's funny down the road. But in a relationship, you have to realize you do not let the children dictate, you know, where the relationship goes. And the parents, because uh, my wife would sometimes want to do things and, and uh, I, I'm very structured. I'm very structured, uh, what I say. And my wife would sometimes give in and uh, they would ask me for something. And then if I'd say no, they go ask her. So I had to say, okay, next time you ask my wife. And I have to always let them know that this is my wife. Yeah, that's your mother, but that's my wife. And as I told my son one time, because I told mm -hmm. him I would hurt him over messing with my wife. He said, well, that's my mother. And I said, yeah, but you guys aren't going to leave her, drive her crazy and leave me here in this house with the woman once she's crazy and I'm stuck with a crazy woman, you know? So I said, so, uh, you know, if I say something, I mean it. Next time you ask your mother, there's going to be consequences and, and repercussions. <laughs> but uh, children are the beautiful thing but, uh, about relationships. But the, the strain that children can put on a relationship. And you don't think about that or see that. And where a couple can get along and do well good, the differences in how you maybe want to parent can really put a, a deep strain on a relationship and cause create a lot of havoc within that relationship. So every part of a relationship, of a family structure, and that's why it's called a family structure. You have families, but then you have some families that aren't structured, which are dysfunctional families. Everything has its place. Everything has its proper order. And everything has to move according to its order. You know, even with the children, a certain time for certain things. You know, nothing before its time. You know, no matter how they, guilty they may. And that's part of the psycho, uh, 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 psychological part of that relationship that comes in. And then the other thing is keeping people out of your business. You know, keep your business in your home. Personal business between you and your husband needs to be between you and your husband with her and I, she and I. You know, she don't talk to her girlfriends about, you know, me and things that happened with us. I don't talk to guys that I know about myself and her and our relationship, you know, because everybody has an opinion. And usually it's always somebody who doesn't understand relationship, who's not able to keep anybody, you know, or who's never really been in a meaningful relationship who has the most to say. And then uh, you are vulnerable 
during that period of time when, because uh, 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 you're looking for somebody to side with you, you know. So if you want someone to side with you, go back and address the situation that you're going through and get your partner to be the one to side with you. Work it out within the home. So if, if love is the basis of the relationship, there shouldn't be any surprises, you know. But uh, uh, outside of really learning who it is you're with, you know, one of them old ghosts jump out the closet. You know? And uh, so sometimes, you know, uh, you know, if there's a graveyard, sometimes you have to go through and say, who's who in that graveyard and what they were and whatever and things. So it's all, you know, so I got a graveyard. She has a graveyard. So, and uh, the surprises are when things that are, are misled, don't, don't mislead in a relationship or intentionally mislead. And there won't be any problems. There aren't any for me uh, because a lot of times we'll walk in the room, we'll say the same thing. We'll, he'll be on one end, I'll be on the other end, we'll come together, we'll say the same thing. You know, we're in sync, you know, our minds are, we, we, we were young when we started out, we've gotten to know each other, we love each other, and, and we love each other more and more. So there aren't really any surprises other than he'll mm. say spontaneously, uh, we're going to China in a week, and you got four days to pack. You know, what I'm I give you two weeks. I give you two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he gave me five days. Okay, <laughs> but but we went with two suitcases, and because uh, he did everything military, you know, he said, I'm gonna show you how to pack. You know how how we do it. You know, we went with two suitcases all the way to China. Mm. <laughs> so, but no, it's not really any surprises because we know each other and love each other, and we always keep God first. And and that's and that's the that's the beauty of it really, is to just look to tomorrow, even though tomorrow's not promised. But we're gonna enjoy the day. If I might say one more thing here though too, when uh sometimes I'm on my way home from work, give you a good example of how we have just really grown together. And and it and it kinda not as strong maybe as now it would happen when we first got together. I'll stop by the store and I'll pick up something. And she said, oh, baby, I was going to call you and ask you to pick up some, you know, you, you went by the store. I said, yeah, I picked up some milk, some eggs. And, but, oh, that's what I was going to call for, you know. And then uh, I'll come in. Maybe I have ice cream. She said, wow, I had a taste for ice cream. I started to ask you to stop and get some. So, you know, I know that uh, uh, we bound that way and every time I thought about ending a relationship or if it was ever anything worth say going that way I, I get upset and something I'm like oh shoot I'm not and I have to always remember that this is the wife that I asked God for and I can't throw back in his face what I prayed for you know so uh, when he gives you a gift you ask for something be ready to receive it or just keep your mouth shut. <laughs>